Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Knowledge Exchange podcast. I am your host, Daniel, the lead mentor here at the Knowledge Exchange, where we run online courses and online mentorship. So check it out at tkex.org. If you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, please leave us a rating and subscribe so we can continue delivering high quality content. And I'm joined today all the way from across the world, the globe, from Des Moines, Iowa, Mr. Tom Bowen. He is a chronic pain patient and pain advocate, educator, the owner of Chronic Pain Champions, and the administrator of one of the best patient support groups that I've come across on Facebook, Chronic Pain Champions, No Whining Allowed. I really love that name. So Tom, thank you so much for making the time for us today. Hey, Daniel, thank you so much for inviting me to be part of your podcast. I'm glad, I'm glad to be here, excited to be here. Awesome. So Tom, we'd love to hear more and learn more about your lived experience with, with chronic pain. So tell us, what's your story? Well, it's kind of a crazy story for me, Daniel. My, my pain uh, journey started 2009, and it started, um, I had a, 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 a sudden pain in my groin. Uh, in fact, it was in a testicle, to be quite honest, and I'm, I'm easily tell this story. Um, I had a, it, it, it basically just enlarged one of my testicles. So, 50 years old at the time, I go to the doc, I go to the, call my doctor, doctor says, uh, go to see my doctor, doctor says, you gotta go to the emergency room. So I go to the emergency room. Surgeon says, well, I don't think it's, the doctor says, I don't think it's the testicular torsion, you're a little too old, but it could be infection. I'm gonna give you uh, some antibiotic, it's not better in a few days, come back and see me. A few days later, I'm still hurting. And it's basically, I had to, at that point, I had to have an orchiectomy. So what I had is some nerve damage from that, from that surgery. That's what started it all. That, that's really unfortunate. It just kind of sounded like it sudden started all of a sudden. You weren't kind of prepared for it. And it was like, no. bang, that's it. Just bang. Yep. I, I came home from shopping, grocery shopping with my wife and, oh, Guess what, honey? <laughs> I hurt. <laughs> so you, I guess you just never know. And you, you get that, you always have that impression that everything's going to get fixed, right? So you go to the doctor and everything gets fixed. So I have the surgery and I'm hurting afterwards. So I'm talking to the doctor. Mm, everything he's doing for me is not helping. So go through that whole process. It, the pain continues on. It, it, it continues on <laughs> and the pain continues on and you know everything the doctor tries I, I it doesn't work for me so I'll at that point as, as what I know now the pain's become chronic no one ever told me at the time it became chronic but uh, the pain became chronic and it just it just never went away so um, I uh, I, that was back in 2009. I, I lived with it for several years and I, well, maybe a couple of years. And then I, I, I'm doing a lot of research on the internet. I'm one of these guys that, you know, never want to accept things for what they are. I want to make things better, right? So um, I cannot find any, anyone to help me in my local area. No one in the state, actually. I found a doctor in Chicago. 
And so I actually traveled to Chicago, which is about seven hours away from Des Moines, travel there. And I have a surgery done where they actually take nerves out of your groin called groin denervation, uh, very risky surgery, um, but just so I could feel better. And I did for a while, pain came back. And so I'm still truck, still trying to find a solution, you know, Doctors got me on some opioids. He's got me on some other meds. They, you know, I'm still hurting. I'm still working, still trying to survive. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I, I need to find another solution. So I find a doctor in Washington, D.C. So I get on a plane early one morning, fly to Washington, D.C., talk to a surgeon there who will offer a same kind of denervation, similar kind of procedure. He thinks that will solve my problem. And I'd have to fly in and out of Washington, D.C. for two surgeries. So I'm Washington, D.C. a day. I'm talking to the doctor. I'm all excited. I come home. I talked to my family doctor about it. My family doctor said, you know, Tom, I think I found a program for you. It's called the, the Mayo. It's at the Mayo Clinic. It's called their uh, Pain Rehabilitation Center. And, uh, you know, it might be a good program for you. And uh, I'm like, well, I don't know. Um, in, the, in the same amount of time, about that same time, I had also had another surgery, emergency surgery, um, that I had to have. And so I was in visiting with the doctor about that, the surgeon that did the surgery, kind of a follow-up. And the surgeon said, I asked the surgeon, I said, uh, doctor, uh, you know, I, I had this, my wife was all for this Mayo Clinic thing. And I was all for, you know, surgery, I want to get fixed, right? So I'm asking the surgeon, I'm thinking, okay, this is a done deal. I got it sealed now. My wife's in the room with me. The surgeon's going to say, Tom, have the surgery. So I asked the surgeon, I said, so doctor, here's my problem. Explained it to him, my situation. What would you do if you were me? Would you have this other surgery in Washington, D.C. by this, you know, famous surgeon? Or would you go to this thing up at Mayo Clinic? And he said, Tom? What called your, caused your problem in the first place? I said, surgery. He said, then why would you want to have another surgery? And ding, that was it. So I went up to Mayo Clinic back in 2012. Um, that was my first stint at Mayo uh, at the program. It's a three-week program. Went there, and uh, they basically taught me how to manage my pain, uh, which was really kind of, Shocking because I was hoping for a cure to the pain, <laughs> but no, they taught me how to manage it. So, and that, that yeah. cure was, was sold to you from, from the surgery, right? So you kind of led to expect that you just needed the, the nerves fixed. Yes, the next fixed. Yes. One doctor is going to have a cure. The next doctor, next doctor, the next pill, the next whatever it may be. Yeah. And you've gone through the, the pain for about three years before you, you were entering that, the clinic at the first time. So what were you kind of initial uh, kind of hesitations or feelings, I guess, towards the, the, the procedures and the plan of those intensive three weeks. So it would have been counter to what you've been told prior. Yeah, most definitely. It was, it was, it was kind of shocking to me, uh, especially when I got up there because I was talking to them and I'm thinking, wait, they're not doing anything. They're not sending me to test. They're not sending me to see any other doctors. I'm talking to, a nurse. I'm talking to a doctor there. I'm talking to some, some, some 
some uh, psychiatrists, I'm talking to uh, psychologists. Are they ever going to do anything to get rid of my pain? And it dawned on me at the very, very first day, no, they're not. <laughs> it's not about getting rid of the pain. It's about managing the pain. And it's just coming to grips with that and learning to accept the pain at that point was, 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 was eye-opening for me. And, and it's like very refreshing. I was at that point where I needed something different. And so uh, they gave me that opportunity there. And giving you the, the support to change that kind, of, that kind of perspective or that kind of path where you were focusing on the, the fix, the cure, or finding the, the magic solution um, to rid mm -hmm. of all the pain away. So they provide that kind of uh, support network with a lot of kind of the, the other practitioners involved to, to help you out. And, and you're with a, a group as well, I imagine. So well, tell me about yeah, your there, experience with those, those three weeks. Sure. It, there's about 30 people there at any given time. Um, they divided us into two teams. Uh, most of our day was spent uh, in class time. And we would talk about subjects like uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, pain acceptance, pain coping tools, whatever they may be, like distraction, a bit, forgiving ourselves, forgiving others, uh, dealing with anger, becoming more communicative instead of, instead of being more, being assertive rather than aggressive with our communications, just ways to become better, uh, better handled to cope with the pain. Uh, those tools. Um, much of the time also was spent, it was an interdisciplinary program, so there was physical therapy. So worked with the physical therapists and getting stronger, building stamina and building uh, strength. Um, everything was very graded and measured. Uh, worked with physical, uh, occupational therapists to, to learn how to do things differently. So, you know, using body mechanics appropriately, uh, sitting ergonomically, sitting correctly, um, how to pick up things using your knees, all those kind of things that, you, you know, how to get out of bed, you know, even as simple as that, you know, to minimize the pain. So all those kind of things, learn that. Uh, we did some biofeedback, a lot of stretching, a lot of relaxation uh, in terms of deep breathing and muscle relaxations, exercises. So all good coping tools, yeah. And that's a, a long list of all these new self-management strategies for you. They, so, yeah, yeah, they cram it in three weeks and they make it work. They do a very nice job. Awesome, and I, I imagine there were, so with the group of people, they all had kind of, we all, you all had different stories, different experiences. So what was that like with the social aspect? Well, it was very interesting because, you know what? We didn't talk about our pain we didn't talk about our pain. We didn't talk about our individual situations at all. Um, everything was focused just on, you know, getting better and, and improving ourselves, improving our qualities of life. Um, I mean, individually, we would speak sometimes to each other about our situations, but never in a group setting uh, other, other than, you know, maybe with our, our, our assigned nurse. So, but nothing, nothing where we would talk about pain. They didn't encourage it. Uh, that was one of those pain, 
one of those pain behaviors is that what they talked about, they, they taught us about, was talking about pain, whining about it, crying about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. So the, the whole kind of um, diving into one's own experience wasn't necessarily the, the focus. It was more about living life around that pain and, and just doing things with it. A lot more of that active approach with all the strategies that you listed. Exactly. Going from passive to active. Active. Exactly. And did you uh, also hear or, or from that first cohort in terms of do you, have you kept in contact with any of your, your previous colleagues, would say? I have not per se with the first group. No, I have not. Um, the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the tides while you're there are pretty strong because you're all bound together. You actually realize other people hurt <laughs> and there's, you know, hope for every one of us. And, um, but afterwards, no, just having to maintain a lot of contact. Makes sense. And with, after those three weeks, you had had intensive Kind of help you had a huge list of activities and, and strategies for you to take away what was that process mm -hmm. like going away from the context of you know, the, the highly specialized and focused and um uh, individualized group setting three weeks intensive and then into your context at home outside of the clinic what was that transition period like for you? hard hard well because your 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 whole day is structured there uh you know needless to say you're up at um starts at eight o'clock till four o'clock every hour structured for you and you know even in the evening they have structured activities you want to get to things you need to do uh even on the weekends there were structured activities for you things for you to do you made out a schedule each weekend or think what you're going to do so everything was very structured went back to work uh you know coordinating all those activities trying to do my breathing exercises my relaxation and and still work and um, fit in my exercise my physical activity which is easy for me was walking i enjoy walking so um you know it was a little difficult but i i was adapting i was adapting pretty well but then three months later in march I fell and hit my head. And that changed everything for me. Uh, and, and, cause I was in November, I, you know, October, November, I went to the program and then in March, the next year I fell, 2013, and hit my head. Um, developed this little headache, a few days after falling. Headache never went away, has never gone away. Uh, doctor uh, says, Tom, I think you have post-concussion syndrome. Like, what's that? So he explains it to me. Um, he said, you know, um, we can give you some medicine. We tried different medicines, tried everything else. Nothing, nothing worked with the headache. And that headache was very severe. And I still continued working because I knew from my days at the Mayo Clinic that distraction is a big part of it. But all the time that I was working on distraction at work, I was also thinking about all the pain I was having because that pain also went not only from a headache to ringing in my ears, tinnitus, and went to random pains throughout my body. It went to some uh, tingling and numbness in my extremities, my fingers and feet, hands. 
uh, toes. So everything just seemed to multiply at that time. Um, and I think part of the reason it was is I was angry as the reason why I fell. I thought I was, I thought I was, uh, I thought I was a kind of a, uh, oh, I was angry at, at, I guess the, the, I was sitting in a chair and here's the story. I was sitting in a chair at a, uh, at a, at a store and I sat in that chair. As soon as I sat in it, tipped back and I hit my head on some metal shelves and on the concrete. So I'm angry at this store and I'm, you know, on this legal, I'm going to, I'm going to make them pay. And so I'm tracking my pain all the time. It's like, Oh, I got this pain here. I got oh, this, my knee's starting to hurt. Oh, I got this burning sensation in my left leg. You know, here's my pain intensity. Blah, 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 blah. So I'm tracking all this and it's like, wait a minute, is this really good? <laughs> Not really. And I'm, so I, I kind of lose touch with what I was doing at Mayo at that point, but all these pain just symptoms seemed to multiply for me and just everything just exploded yeah yeah the, the just when you had kind of got out and got back into into your world it, it something else happened and it, and it wasn't your fault and it was there was a lot of kind of uh anger and frustration and there's because mm -hmm. injustice there like how dare they it's it's, it's kind of yes it's out of your control yeah. now you've got something mm -hmm. within your control to kind of um uh, get back some, some a little like a, some kind of compensation of some sort. So that's that was your yep. focus at that time, and that could have kind of led you down a hyper focus where you weren't able to do all the other things in life that that mattered. Exactly. That's in retrospect, that's what happened to me, Daniel. And I just got so focused on that, mm. and that that's not what was important. And I mean, that never happened. But quite honestly, but you know, it just it just not a good rabbit hole to go down, <laughs> you know, but it, people do get anger with pain. It's, we become pain free, easy, you know, pain free. So, um, it, it happened. Um, I developed fibromyalgia is what the do doctor, my family doctor finally diagnosed me with back in 2016, I think it was. So he diagnosed me with that. And I said, what is that? I have no idea what that is. Um, so he sent me to a rheumatologist, a local rheumatologist, and the rheumatologist said, Tom, you have fibromyalgia and you have a very bad case of it. I would not work again if I were you. You're not able to work, which was stunning to me because I, I, I was having trouble working. I really was having trouble uh, focusing, mental focus, physical focus, all that sort of thing. Um, but so... Um, he, uh, he recommended I quit working, so I did. Um, and I went to, actually at that point, yeah, I went to Mayo Clinic's fibromyalgia program. I went back there to a little fibromyalgia program, which is kind of a shortened version of their pain rehabilitation program. And they confirmed the diagnosis, because I was like, I don't have this. This is silly, I've never heard of such a thing. And they, they confirmed it as well. So. I, I said, as soon as I hear it from three people, eh, I know it's, it is what it is. And then, so now how do I deal with it? And so, and that's when I went back to the Mayo Pain Rehabilitation Center, a second stint, their three week program. And I did that back in 2018. So, yeah. 
back again back to uh back again yeah with that um so you had experienced the you had the fibromyalgia clinic which was a, a mini or shorter version condensed version of what mm -hmm. you had previously experienced and then it was yeah. so nine years or so or seven years my my memories and my maths mm -hmm. at this time on a tuesday morning in sydney australia is a bit bit a bit off tom so you had it for quite a few years uh, there was a, a few mm -hmm. years gap was there any kind of changes in there that three-week program compared to when you first experienced it all pretty much the same pretty much the same yeah um i was uh, i was very fortunate they invited me back um so yeah pretty much the same experience uh it gave me a whole different perspective the second time because i kind of knew what to expect you know so i could actually i could actually I, I'm trying to say just rather than learn everything at the very beginning, I could internalize it when I was there. So that second time gave me more time to take those those skills and and and, and apply them to myself. So yeah, for some deeper learning, you kind of experienced it and reflect on it, and you had the theory already. So it was more about the mm -hmm. kind of action and. And then seeing how it all made sense and you understood it much clearer that second time. Great, great job of summarizing. Exactly. Awesome. That's great. That's, and it's, it's one of the things it's, we think that again, you just need this program and you're, you're done, you're set for life. And mm -hmm. we forget that things happen in between and, and life happens. There's many changes. So it's great that you were able to get that refresher and, and get that added support with this new diagnosis and uh, new kind of, uh, validation for this new experience it's, it's, it's a different experience to what you had before yeah yeah very much and with that uh, i wanted to touch on because i i personally work with a few people who are going through that the litigation process and and we you mentioned that that was uh, happening at the time and it was kind of heightening your your pain experience what was that transition period like or did they mention that kind of the the the, the pangry pangriness during the mayo clinic how was that process for you with the transition from the well, the anger to the the rest of life Imagine yeah that, yeah it was um i pretty much at that point had already kind of gave up on the painfulness uh, by the time i went back um because i knew that nothing was going to come of that legal battle anyhow but i still thought it felt still felt in you know uh like i was uh unjustly treated you know uh but i i again they helped me realize that that's not a good feeling and that's not a good thing you got to clear those emotions forgiveness forgive yourself forgive others and that's a big part of it you know in dealing with dealing with the anger from the pain is being comfortable in your own skin to you know to you know to to just say you know what it is what it is how do I make it better now? What do I do? So, yeah. The whole kind of making room for it and, and um, acknowledging the, the, the suffering, the loss, and then moving on with that. So allowing it to happen versus trying to kind of fight it off and, and push it to the side and it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't have happened. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's kind of like the old saying, pain is inevitable, suffering is optional, right? So. Yeah, it's we as human beings, we can choose to either wallow in our pain, or we can choose to 
move on. In my life, actually, you know, since I went through that program the second time, actually since the first time, my life is, you know, surprisingly very good. I, I, I'm, I have no complaints, you know, so do I hurt? Yes, but I live and I live well, despite the pain. Awesome. You've got so much resilience and it's so great to see because uh, we can see people on, on the other path where they kind of get stuck in that cycle. You were able to kind of break free from that. What do you kind of, apart from your amazing resilience and, and I'm guessing some uh, sense of humor in terms of your, your previous experiences as, as, a, as a clown and your ability to take things lightly and um, yeah, just that inherent resilience that you have, Tom. Uh, on top of that, what else do you, like, would you attribute the, the change in circumstances for you? I think, you know, learning how pain works makes a, made a big difference for me. That was one of the things they taught us at Mayo Clinic is, you know, uh, you know, the pain, you know, is, doesn't mean harm. And so it's, you know, understanding that it's a, uh, it pains in the brain, it's, it's produced by the brain, it's an alarm system kind of thing, it's a protective thing, our, our service systems gets, you know, overactive, and, you know, that, that whole sensitization that can happen. So understanding that, and then you can say, okay, I, I get it now. I get it. It's, I don't have to be fixed. It, it, nothing, nothing they can do to the, the nerves in my groin that's going to solve that pain. Nothing they're going to do to my head is going to solve that pain. Uh, you know, my headache. Nothing they can do with the fibromyalgia is going to take away my body aches. You know, they are what they are. You know, if they are what they are, you know, have I given up hope? No, not at all. Because someday someone's going to come up with a, with, with a solution for this, you know. Uh, you know, I, we have amazing, uh, amazing doctors and amazing, uh, uh, amazing uh, medical Getting system. Back to that whole, you know, I can't be fixed. So what do I do now? And, you know. So it's either wallow in the pain or, or, or move on. And I want a great segue into your, your group, the, the Chronic Pain Champions, No Whining Allowed. What was the, the inspiration for, for starting that support group? Well, I had started actually a support group here in Des Moines for a local support group after I, well, actually it was right before I went to Mayo Clinic the second time. So yeah, the, the, I, after I went to Mayo Clinic the second time, about the same time I went, I started a pain group here in Des Moines, a pain support group. Because I thought, okay, I want to I want to give back to people and help other people. So I started a local pain support group. Eh, never really took off. I, I, I tried it. Actually, because here's the thing. I went to a pain support group locally at another, put on by another group, and I wasn't happy with, with how was presented because it wasn't matched with what my experience was been. It was a whole different focus. So, and a lot of whining. <laughs> but uh, so I, I started my own group, just didn't ever took off. It, it's hard to, to make those local groups happen. Uh, at least it was my, my experience, it was hard. And I actually ended up giving up uh, short of a year. And um, I, I gave it up and the, the numbers were just, uh, ju weren't just weren't justifiable to 
to, to put it together, to keep it together. I felt like I was spending more time than I was more investment than the return. So, so I was out looking at Facebook at uh, other support groups. So I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll go online and, and kind of look at other support groups and see what they do. And I'm looking at other support groups and all I'm seeing is these posts, people complaining about their pain. And they're like, oh, I heard today, well, I'm a 10 out of 10, or I'm a 15 out of 10. How can you be a 15 out of 10, number one? But <laughs> they, they, you know, everything's to the extreme. And um, they're always talking about their pain. Even if it wasn't whining, it was talking about their pain. So I just thought, okay, the focus has to change. And so I started my own group, Chronic Pain Champions, no whining allowed. And just for that very purpose is um, I, don't, I don't allow people to talk about their pain. We just don't whine about it. Yeah. That's great. So it's, it's about the, the solutions focus versus the kind of problem focus, which it can kind of spiral down into, create that culture of just complaining, ranting, venting. Mm -hmm. Actually, Daniel, I was thinking the other day, I, I, my wife thinks I'm nuts. I, I want to put a post out on our group that says I want my group to end. And, and she's like, what? Why do you want your group to end? Well, I don't want anyone to have pain. I want them to learn the skill sets they need to manage their own pain without having to be part of the support group. So really, if I had no one in my support group, I'd be, I'd be elated. But as long as there's people that need the help, then the support group exists. But hopefully those people can develop those skill sets and move on, just like I have. That's great. It's, um you care so much that you don't want people to rely on, on the group to become their kind of source of identity. And it's like, you want the, the to have so many, so much skill that it, it's no longer a thing. They're, yeah, they're exactly. No longer a thing. Yep. Yep. They don't, nothing they need to worry about. Yep. Maybe it can be a, more of like a, a bridging kind of course. It sounds like, cause, cause I imagine people would identify and want to relate to others who are experiencing similar kind of circumstances so then they can see hopefully your group. And then the idea of the group is to not need the group. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah. It's yeah. a bit counterintuitive to most groups. <laughs> so, so good luck with that. <laughs> <I know. laughs> That'd be hard to manage as admin. <laughs> my, my, my goal is not to have 70,000 members. My goal is to have zero. Isn't that weird? <laughs> That's it. I imagine also I wanted to touch on your experience with pain science because I imagine that may have been a bit uh, completely new to you uh, compared to what you had previously experienced through the, the medical system and what other healthcare professionals had been telling you what the surgeon kind of told you initially, uh, two surgeons at least. So what, what was your experience like encountering that information, that knowledge for the first time? Was there any kind of backfire or confusion or setback? Actually, it was enlightenment for me. And it, I, it, it's like, now I understand why I hurt. No one ever explained to me why I hurt before. I just hurt. And I always thought it was, oh, it's my nerves that hurt. Oh, it's where they did that surgery that hurt me. It's um, where I fell and hit my head that hurt me. It's, um, it's you know, the, 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 the fibromyalgia, there's some nerves that in my body that can be calmed down somehow, you know, that they all hurting me somehow. So it's all a physical thing that I can fix. And no one ever explained to me before 
how it works and why, you know, and why I feel the pain, why I felt the pain. So to me, that was enlightening um, uh, and just very eye-opening. Um, it gave me hope for, for, for the future. That's great. It kind of nudged you away from the, the fix, the mentality that it's like you just like a mechanic, we just fix a part of your body or your system or your nerves and then we're done, we're set. So it took you away from that into more of that lifestyle focus. Yes. And it took me two rounds to get there. I'm a slow learner, but I catch on. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it's kudos to you, credits to, to your efforts in applying that in action because you would have needed that experience of, of trying the things out um, and you had that support to try things out with, with you mentioned exercise, you mentioned changing mm -hmm. the way that you were working and, and all these active strategies. I imagine if you hadn't tried any of those strategies, it would have been much more difficult for you to, to understand and grasp the, the pain science. You would have kept focusing on the finding the cure, right? Yes. Yep. And even after, like I said, my first stint in Mayo, I was still focused on finding that cure because I thought, you know what, this isn't chronic this is something that's going to be fixed. I kept hoping for that fix. And then it's like, no, it's, it's really chronic. So it's like coming to that realization again. Um, yeah, so. And with um, a lot of the pain science kind of education, there can be a very common backfire of, are you saying it's all in my head or I'm making it up? So if, if, have you come across that in, in your group or with, with other uh, people that you've worked with or uh, worked alongside? And, and what would you kind of advise clinicians and practitioners to prevent that or avoid that from happening? Don't say it. <laughs> Just don't say it. Because, you know, it, it, it's not in our heads. It's not in our heads. And I know what they're trying to say because pain is produced by the brain. But that doesn't mean it's all in our head. Because with that, when you say that to a pain patient as a clinician, what you're telling is, I don't believe you hurt. I believe it's a psychological issue is all you have. You don't have a, you don't have a real issue. You don't have real pain. Yeah, uh, yeah we really have real pain. We have real pain. Um, and just, you know, live in my, I like to tell my doctor, live in my body for, for, for 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and see how you feel. And I know there's a lot of clinicians, now that I'm getting into this whole area of pain advocacy and education, a lot of clinicians have had this pain experience. So they can come at it from that pain experience. But some of them, I think they don't get it. Or if they do get it, they're not communicating it right. So don't tell us it's in our head. Validate our pain. Let us tell our stories like you did tonight, which is really great. So talk less, listen more. Um, validate our pain, explain to us why we hurt. Um, don't give us labels like, oh, he's a, a drug seeker. You know, because a lot of people are, I, I think people tuned in to get labeled real easy, or I was once called Enigma, Enigma, because, <laughs> and I think my doctor was actually right in calling me that, <laughs> but uh, because of all the things that's happened to me, I think he said that half jokingly, but um, I, you know, I think, it's easy to get labeled when you're in chronic pain as someone who can't be trusted, someone who's even a liar, someone who's not telling the truth, someone who's, 
just doing it for the drugs, someone who's, uh, I don't know, whatever, I've maybe malinger, a malinger, yeah, trying to, trying to, again, uh, get, get, win some legal battle, and they're just trying to, you know, trying to work me as a clinician to, to you know, to, to sign some piece of paper that says, oh, yes, he can, you know, he can, he can get thousands of dollars, whatever. Yeah, you know, you know, it, 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 it can happen. So just talk less, listen more, explain the science to us. Don't, you don't need to get really descriptive because I don't think people can understand it. I, I, I don't understand it all. Quite honestly, when you get into talking about the neurons and the, and all those things coming from, you know, it's like, okay, too much, too much. And that they taught us all that. They explained that to us at Mayo. And I've read about it, but it's like, that's too deep for me. And I think it's too deep for a lot of people. All we need to understand is the pain is real. The pain is an alarm. There's, there's, there's pain that cannot be cured. And, but there's pain that can be managed. And there's a way to live better. And, it's, and then get, give us the tools to do it. So, yeah. That's great. I love it. It comes down to the way we communicate in the end. Mm -hmm. You have to be mm -hmm. effective at communicating to a fellow human validating them and, and talking to them, not their pain, not their body part, not their body even, yeah. but their experience and, and their, their lives and focusing on what they can do to give them hope and also helping them acknowledge that it, it is, it, there is a sense of perhaps loss and there is a need for accepting that as part of their journey, as part of their life. Yeah, that, that acceptance is so key and that's very key. And you know, not everyone's going to get to that point right away. And I see that in my group. I see that in other groups. People just don't get to that point. Some people just do not want to get to that point. But you know what? Hopefully the uh, uh, clinicians, when you're working with your patients, can nudge them to that point. You know, just to push, gently push them to that point. And, and, and by using... Um, um, uh, by using the, the person to become uh, more, um, more uh, self-efficient or uh, managing their pain and, you know, knowing, hey, I can do this. I can do this. I can handle it. The whole self-efficacy kind of uh, approach, building that self-efficacy, um, I think is so important and um, letting people know that they can handle it, you know. Accept the pain, and and you can move on. You 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 can you can learn how to do it. So the priority is, is their own management of the pain. So they build up the achievements that, that hey, I can actually modify my experience here, and I can actually do mm -hmm. something for myself without having to rely on the system and and sulk all day. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Love it. So I was going to uh, ask if you would recommend your group for for some of our clinicians here to recommend to their patients, but considering you want to end it, I'm in two minds here. So what kind of recommendations in general would you give for, for clinicians? And is, is it possible as well to link to certain support groups? Because I know that there are, like yours, some are really, really super helpful and, and others that I've come across that aren't really helpful at all. So what, what would be some of the recommendations that you would give for clinicians? Okay. Oh, very good. I would, I would recommend to clinicians, again, be be careful when you're communicating with your clients, you know, with your with your uh, patients. Be careful with what you say, how you say it. Um, how, um, 
I think when patients are ready to take that next step, give them the tools they need by um, the online, there's so many online resources. There's my, my focus group, which I highly recommend. <coughs> but there's other support groups out there. I, I think there's, uh, you know, very good pain refrain is one of them. Um, exploring pain is a very good one. I think it's called exploring pain. Uh, your focus group, your, your, your group is very good. Um, love it. Um, the, there's a, uh, there's a gratitude. I can't remember what the name of it is. Some sort of a, a support group as well. But those are all positive kind of things. If you get into a lot of them that are like, yes, chronic uh, pain uh, or or condition specific kind of groups, I see a lot, a lot of the negativity. Um, and I actually go out to those groups quite a bit. I'm out there, I troll those groups. <laughs> <laughs> quite honestly because what I'm trying to do what I try to do is like interject where I can the philosophy that I have with pain management that whole biopsychosocial approach and try to interject that into the conversations and get people to start thinking about that so um, because if not the inertia in those groups are very negative most of the time yeah but I would recommend comes to group think and in group out group kind of biases. So <laughs> commendations for, for the efforts. Cause I know that that's, that would be difficult to do. Yeah. Now I do have a, a website, chroniccompainchampions.com and the site itself doesn't have any earth shattering information. I'm just going to be quite honest with you. It has a few little blog stories. I, I have a, a pain quiz out there. But what I have out there is links to some articles that I think are very good articles about pain and pain management. I also have out there the links to the resources that I think are very good. So like, what are some groups that you might want to consider joining? Uh, what are some of the uh, uh, articles you might want to read? Like the news, uh, news publications like Practical Pain Management, I think is a good one for patients. Um, the um, I also have like links to different exercises on YouTube for breathing, yoga, Tai Chi Chi. Um, so all those kind of tools are out there. Um, some tools that I've created myself uh, in terms of a med medical summary template and a medicine template. So you can have your medicines handy to take to the doctor's office each, each time you go and a summary so when you go see a new doctor, you don't have to like rehash everything you've done. Here's, here's kind of what's, what's happened with me over the years and my journey. So it, there's, I think there's some good resources out there and educational links. That's, that's a big part of my website. And I did write a book too, Chronic Pain Won't Stop Me. And it's, uh, it has a short description of pain. It's a quick, easy 60 page read uh, about pain and basically all the tools that I've learned. Amazing, Tom. That's that's great. So when people are are ready, and there's a wealth of information there, and I feel like having someone ha uh, being a, an advocate and a, uh, being a, a patient, having that patient's experience just really helps because otherwise it just sounds like a, where just the clinicians are talking at people, where we can have more uh, stories and experiences like like yours 
shine in, into the spotlight and, and seeing how it works in action through your lived experience. It just, it's just so valuable. So, yeah, thank you. I, that's, that's, my, that's my goal. So that's my mission. Amazing. Tom, thank you so much for your time. I'll link your uh, website as well in the show notes. And um, I'm really forward to keeping up the, uh, looking forward to keeping up this conversation because uh, I feel like uh, we need more, as I mentioned. We need, we need more experiences like yours. And, and kudos to all the work that you're doing on your end. Well, thank you. And, and you too, the, this podcast and, and all the work that you've done. I, I mean, and, and every clinician that's involved in this whole, I, I love the collaborative effort of all the clinicians that I've been uh, experienced here with this pain in the whole pain. I don't know what you want to call it, pain community, but um, there, I, I love the collaboration and the, just the, uh, the drive that everyone has. So thank you.